Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have spoken to us through your Son. Let your written word now be spoken and heard by each of us. Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand that we may not refuse your calling or ignore your voice. May we all be taught by you through your powerful word. Bring our every thought captive to obeying Christ to the glory of your holy name. Amen. The scripture reading for today comes from the book of Romans, chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit, but I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, who is over all, God-blessed forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. And now a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Now when Jesus had heard that John had been killed by Herod, he withdrew there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and all ate, and all were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As Melissa Ann said, today we begin the final book in our Summer Read series, Henry Nouwen's book, Reaching Out, The Three Movements of the Spiritual Life. Nouwen says that the first movement in the spiritual life is movement from loneliness to solitude. It's a theme that fits really well with our gospel reading, one that begins with loneliness 
in a deserted place. If you've begun to read the book, you'll know that Nowen describes a moment in a New York City subway in which he is acutely aware of what the nature of being alone is like in our day and age. He says, sitting in a subway, I am surrounded by silent people, hidden behind their newspapers, or staring away in the world of their own fantasies. Nobody speaks with a stranger, and a patrolling police officer keeps reminding me that people are not out to help each other. But when my eyes wander over to the walls of the train, covered with invitations to buy more or new products, I see young, beautiful people enjoying each other in a gentle embrace. Playful men and women smiling at each other in fast sailboats. Proud explorers on horseback encouraging each other to take brave risks. All this while the subway train runs from one dark tunnel to another. And I am nervously of where I keep my money. The words and images decorating my fearful world, this dark tunnel back and forth, speak about love and gentleness, tenderness, and a joyful togetherness of spontaneous people. We live in a world now and thinks that is fully and most amazingly lonely. And we are very much in denial about that loneliness. Now and says that to enter into those deep places of loneliness is so painful for us to do, so painful that we have invented so many ways to distract ourselves from those feelings deep down. Just as now and sits in the dark subway tunnel and looks to the ceiling and the sides of the train. We see images around us of the lives that we wish we could have, the lives that we can supposedly purchase for ourselves. Maybe the ticket to a wonderful life is the perfect vacation. Maybe the ticket to a wonderful marriage is a picture-perfect wedding. Maybe the ticket to a good and good job is a perfect education. Maybe the ticket to good health is a good diet. But at one moment or another, we are forced by life circumstances to confront or at least acknowledge that our loneliness is there underneath it all to begin with. And as much as our consumer markets and advertisements would want to have us believe, we cannot buy our way out of our loneliness. We cannot purchase our way into a better life. It's not possible. In 2011, Hebrew Bible scholar James Kugel writes about his sudden and serious cancer diagnosis. He says, I was, of course, disturbed and worried, but the main change in my state of mind was that the background music had suddenly stopped. The music of daily life that's constantly going. The music of infinite time and possibilities. Now suddenly it was gone. Replaced by nothing. Just silence. He writes that there you are. One little person. Sitting in the late summer sun with only a few things left 
to do? What is it that awakens you to your loneliness that's deep down all the time? What is it for you that stops the music of time? For Kugel, it was this difficult diagnosis with cancer. For some of us, it might be the loss or the end of a job. For others, it might be the loss of a relationship or the death of a dream. For yet even others, it might be the lingering question, will I have enough food on the table tomorrow to feed my family? What is it that awakens you to your loneliness? For Jesus... It was the news of the death of John the Baptist at the hand of Herod, which we read about in our gospel. And for the crowds, what drove them and awakened them to their loneliness was the disease and sickness they had experienced. The fear of Herod coming after Jesus' followers. It was poverty and hunger and despair and lack of hope. All these things, Jesus and his disciples, you and me, the crowds of people, have all been confronted with the limitations of their ultimate needs, the limitations of who they can be in the world. All these people then respond by fleeing into a deserted place. They flee out into the wilderness. Friends, why do people flee into the wilderness when they are in need. We flee into the wilderness because the wilderness is where God's people go when they need to once again be reminded that they are ultimately dependent on God, not on anything else. And even more, they go into the wilderness to remember that God's ultimate dependability is here for us in this place. In the wilderness of our loneliness, in the wilderness of our need, all is laid plain and bare for all to see. There is no covering up, no hiding our needs from one another. There is an open vulnerability before one another and before God. An openness that here, at least in this place, we will know that God is the one who is supporting us because we are in the wilderness. Like the Hebrew people leaving Egypt to wander into the wilderness for 40 years. Like Noah climbing aboard a ship on the wonder, the wilderness of the seas for 40 days. Like Jesus' own plight from Herod as a child. Jesus, his disciples, and the crowds, all these lonely people converge into the deserted, the empty place. But it's in that place where they bring their deepest needs, that desolated place, that state where their needs are off and open for all to see, where they are helpless apart from God's help. There they find that they are no longer alone. Jesus is with them. And not only that, Jesus shares the pain of all who have gathered here in the wilderness. He too was driven by pain into the wilderness to begin with. 
And more than that, Jesus does not only share the pain of those who have gathered in the wilderness, Jesus has compassion on them. Jesus brings them hope and healing. Jesus takes their loneliness and leads them beyond even uh, solitude, even beyond solidarity, and brings them into true presence and knowledge of God's provision for them in the wilderness. The crown of this great story, all of you know it, is the great feast that happens at the very end. There are so many needs brought to this meal in the wilderness. There are thousands of men and women and children hungry. There are those carrying the guilt of their lives to the table. There are those who harbor grief. There are those who come to the meal harboring animosity. They bring so much need, so much mead into the desert, and they have very, very little to give in return. All they have to give, five loaves, two fish. And just as we will do in a moment, Jesus ordered the crowds to have a seat in the grass And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looks up to heaven. And he blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples. And his disciples gave them to the crowd and all ate and were filled. They took up what was left over of the broken pieces and they had twelve baskets full left over. Here in the wilderness there is so much need and yet... God is such a bountiful God, one who can spread a table even amid the deserted wilderness. God is one who prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies and then invites my enemies to join the feast as well. This is a God who can give manna in the wilderness to those fleeing oppression in Egypt. One who becomes flesh and blood here among us, bringing healing and peace and hope and nourishment and grace here at this table, the table in our wilderness. The world could use more wildernesses like this one. Ministers, especially those fresh out of the gate, spend a lot of time thinking what is going to be the future of the church and what's going to be my place in that future. I do not fear for the church's future. I take heart and have faith that Christ will always be present in the world through the church even though the church's shape and expression may change over time. But we're entering into a time in history where the church's expression may look something more like wilderness than a light on the hill. A place that occupies the outskirts of town more than something that occupies the halls of power in the center of society. Rather, we are the ones on the outside. We are the ones who have realized that we do not have it all. We are the ones who realize that we cannot find all we need out there in the world. We who have been confronted by the realities, the limits, the needs, the pains of the world, that we are in need and that we 
seek to know that God can supply those needs. That we go into the wilderness, maybe that is the church. Maybe we go into the wilderness trusting that God will spread a table in the wilderness for all people. And at that table, help us to feed all of God's children. Friends, this meal beside the Galilee is not a new meal for us. It is a meal that we share here on Sundays. A meal that God's people have been sharing on Sunday since the very beginning of the church. A meal at this table to which all are welcome. To this table we bring the abundance of our concerns, the abundance of our need, the abundance of our prayers, and we bring our brokenness and we bring our sin, but we also bring our little meager gifts, a few loaves of bread, a pitcher of wine, offerings from our labor, baskets for the leftovers that will go to feed those who cannot be with us here today and those who may not otherwise be fed at all. And in these modest offerings, bread and wine, gifts of money, baskets of leftovers, Jesus makes a feast in our wilderness that is capable of feeding the whole world a feast of his body and blood, a feast of grace that forgives all our sins, a feast that unites us with one another and with the saints of all times and places, a feast that here and now is a foretaste of the great feast to come when we will all know, all of us, that at this table, what we need is here. What we need is here. I want to close with one of my stories, one of my favorite stories about bread. I'll go so far as to say that this is a communion story, though I think most stories about bread are communion stories. In the middle of the Second World War, bombings were taking place all over Europe. Bombs would land on villages and thousands of children were left orphaned when their parents were killed. Many of these children were rescued. They were taken out of the streets and into refugee camps. They received good care and nourishment, but they found that at night, so many of the children could not sleep. They would wake up crying out in fear that there would not be enough food, that there would not be shelter for them. The people seeking to help were not able to find anything that could comfort the children. After a time, finally someone had the wild idea that maybe we should just give each child a little morsel of bread to hold on to as they went to sleep at night. Holding that little morsel in their little hands, the children were able to fall asleep. All through the night, the bread assured them that today I ate, and tomorrow I will eat again. God has given us an abundant feast here, the bread of life shared for us 
And Jesus, in this story, calls us, his disciples, to take this bread and give the people something to eat. There's a saying that people say often about communion, that this is the meal that once we consume it, it consumes us. That once we eat the bread, we are eaten by the bread itself, so that we are now the bread for the world. We are now those that are manna for those fleeing in the wilderness from oppression. We are the morsel given to the children so that they might know that warfare is going to be over and that they will be okay. At this table, we offer ourselves an offering an offering to God that we might be used for God's coming kingdom, knowing that all that we need is right here to do so. All that we need is here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, creator of all, with joy we praise you and give you thanks. You commanded light to shine in the darkness, divided the sea from the land, created the vast universe and called it good. You made us in your image to live with one another in love. You gave us the breath of life, and freedom to choose your way. You promised to be in relationship with us, and through long generations, you have been faithful and loving toward us, giving manna to the people of Moses' day and feeding us in the deserts of our lives, making enough for the 5,000 who gathered on a hillside and plenty for each of us down through the centuries. Great and wonderful you are, O God, We praise you, most holy God, for sending your Son, Jesus the Christ, to live among us, to teach us of your love and patience, to heal the sick, to be a friend to sinners. Obeying you, he bore the cross and died that we might live. We praise you that he overcame death and is risen to reign in glory with you. Jesus continues to be the friend of sinners, interceding for us. We trust him to overcome every power that can hurt or divide us and believe that when he comes in glory, we will celebrate victory with him. Remembering all your mighty and merciful acts, we break bread and share one cup, giving thanks for your saving love in Jesus Christ. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, gracious God, and upon these your gifts of bread and wine. Make them for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be the body of Christ for the world. Sent out in the power of the Spirit, let us live for others as Christ lived for us. Drawn together as one body and joined to Christ, may we feed the world as you feed us. And may we rejoice as your glad and grateful people until we feast with you in glory. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Hear us as we join our voices in the prayer our Lord Jesus Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another sermon from First Press.